this is Kenya, and welcome to my Magical Cottagecore Life. Today, we're going to get away from our previous episodes, uh, content of snails and snail milk, and we're going to go to something else that could also be a little bit viscous, or for another word, moist. I don't know why the word moist bothers people. I just, I don't understand it, but I just had to say it because it's interesting to me that people don't like the word moist. So I'm just saying it again. Okay, that's the last time for right now. So let's jump on to an entirely different topic. Open up your big book of stuff and turn to the gardening section and the food, the garden to table section specifically, because this is going to be of interest to people doing gardens and you may be in the South right now. So you may already have green tomatoes, depending on where you are. And for up here, for my Michigan people, if you're anticipating in a few weeks, your first set of green tomatoes, this is definitely for you. So open up that big book of stuff and turn to the recipe section for green tomatoes in those other headings, because today we're going to talk about green tomato pie. Today's episode is brought to you by My Magical Cottage Core Life, the quick recipe book. Under the collection of My Magical Cottage Core Life, Grace and Joy in Everyday Living, in paperback. Kenya T. Koviak offers a homespun collection of simple recipes for use by the busy cook and the leisurely homemaker. Deliberately given in no order, the book is a hunt like a random forest mushroom. It's a quirky little tome to share with friends. And we're friends, right? You can find it on Amazon. It's $11.95. And it's pretty good. I think so. I think you'll enjoy it. It's kind of weird. Like me. And I didn't put any mom jokes necessarily in this one, but there's lots of space for you to write your own notes for the recipes and some cute little pictures too that I just think are fun. You can make this an heirloom and a keepsake and you and all the pudding people and stroller citizens can color in some of the larger illustrations and that way you can definitely make it something to keep in your home. Well, that's what I think anyway. I like sharing weird things with my friends, and we are friends, right? Now let's get back to the show. Now at this point, you're probably saying to yourself, wait a minute, United States government, 1926, Aunt Sammy. Aunt Sammy. Why does that sound like something? If you're thinking Uncle Sam, you'd be correct. So I'm guessing that Uncle Sam had a wife and this is Aunt Sammy or a sister you never know so that you know I'm guessing that's where the name came from so when we're looking at this recipe we have to remember that some of the things that they're using are traditional and some of the things that they're using you might not use now like some people don't use cornstarch any longer they use other things uh, when they're cooking, like, you know, artificial thickeners. But personally,
personally, I still use cornstarch when I'm thickening things. So if you use something like thick, and those of you who are taking care of people who have to ingest their food in a liquid form will understand what I mean by talking about the food additive called thick. If you're using that, you could definitely use Thimbas, but I would recommend going the old school way with the cornstarch. Now the first thing you're going to need are green tomatoes. I mean, it seems like it's pretty obvious, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And when I mean green tomatoes, I mean green tomatoes that are not yet ripe. Why am I saying this? Because there are, green, there are tomatoes that when they become ripe are green. Perfect example, the green striped tomato. It's a tomato that is striped and green even when it's ripe. So what we're discussing today are tomatoes that are green they're supposed to be a different color, like a red, or a gold, or a yellow, or purple, when they're ripe. In other words, we're looking for unripe tomatoes. Green tomatoes. The same kind of tomatoes you use when you're making fried green tomatoes. So please, use unripened green tomatoes. I think German heirloom might be the best, though because they're nice and thick and meaty, so, I mean, but it's up to you what kind you want to use. Another thing you want to look out for is that you want this to be about a, a medium tomato. No giant big beefsteak tomatoes, please. Medium, like an early girl or maybe a best boy, the small, no super sweet 100s. Don't get those teeny tiny tomatoes. While I love them, they're too small for this recipe. You'd be chopping and cutting forever and you won't get the same consistency. Because after going through this, I know I'm gonna cook this as soon as my garden uh, comes into fruition and I'll let you know how it is. But I, I know that you're gonna need a decent sized tomato. Now, Aunt Sammy says we need four or five medium-sized green tomatoes. Okay, we can do that. Then we're also going to need one half of a lemon sliced very thin. Now, you can just about tell where this is going, right? If the lemon has to be sliced thin, there's a reason, right? So, I, I can see where this is going. But it's not going to be necessarily where you might think it would be. This is a green tomato pie, not a tomato lemon pie. And if you're thinking that the, the lemon is not just there because of the citric acid, but because of a taste modifier, I think you're right. I think we can agree that that's what's happening, right? Because we want our fats, we want our, our acids, we want certain things in our, our flavor palette when we're making a pie or anything else. So we have a half a lemon, uh, sliced very thin, a quarter teaspoon of cinnamon. Now, if you're like me, I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised. But that, may, that put me on the track that this is not going to be necessarily a super savory pie. As it is, it's going to be a little bit more sweet than I thought. 
we're also going to need half a teaspoon of salt. Of course, if you're low sodium, you can use a salt substitute. One and a half tablespoons, I'm sorry, of cornstarch. Th three quarters of a cup of sugar. Now, you know how I am about this. Personally, I always try to, you know, refer you to cane sugar or beet sugar before you go for the, the regular, uh, you know, white sugar. And when I say cane sugar, I mean the unrefined, you know. But remember, if you use straight brown sugar or raw sugar, it'll taste different. So keep that in mind. And you'll also need one tablespoon of butter. So I know that it starts off with the instructions about slicing and everything, but I'm going to add an instruction. Before you slice the tomato, wash the tomato. Don't just stick things in your, in your mouth without washing them. We are growing things in the dirt on the vine. So if you're taking it from your garden, wash it off. You don't know. A ladybug could have licked it. You know, and bugs do urinate sometimes, certain ones. They excrete fluids. So, wash it off. <laughs> I'm just as earthy as the next person, you know, at least. If you don't have access to water, you know, that's another issue. But wash that bad boy off. Wash them off. Then, slice the tomatoes. Now, as you know, when we slice tomatoes, we also core the tomato. So, take the green part out. Take the little area where the bloom was. Cut a little piece of that out, cut where the stem attached to it, so that you have a nice, uh, non-tough tomato there. So you're going to slice your tomatoes and heat them slowly in a saucepan with the lemon. Now you're going to add your lemons, your salt, your sugar, and your, your cinnamon. And you're going to, you know, really slowly heat them up for a while until the tomatoes are tender. Now don't just stick your finger in there and start poking because that's how you burn yourself. I'm not picking on you. I did this once when um, I was first learning to cook and I was heating up an apple pie filling that I wanted to make a quick pie with at that time. And I just put my finger in to see if it was actually getting soft. And I learned a valuable lesson. So I'm speaking from experience. on the side, you're going to mix together your butter and your cornstarch, okay? And what you want to do is just basically kind of just mix it up. Your butter, if you can do it make, it, make sure it's a little soft. Whenever we're working with butter, unless it tells you to make it cold, you always want it to be at least at room temperature. So this shouldn't be that difficult. Mix them together, and then you're going to add it to your tomatoes, alright? You're going to cook that down until the cornstarch is not tasting raw. You'll be able to tell. Once you get to that point, remove it from heat. Now this is important. It doesn't just say turn off the fire. You need to take it off of the fire, you know. Keep it away from the hot surfaces of the stove. This will affect your recipe, your ability to follow directions. Now you're gonna line a pie tin with pastry, is what they're saying. Just throw a crust in there. There's a recipe for crust in our older episodes. I might give it to you again, but there's a recipe for pie crust. Or you can just buy pie crust ready-made. 
or you can make it. And then you're going to bake that for about 12 minutes. And it says in a moderately hot oven until a delicate color appears. Basically, we're looking at 250 to 300 degrees, you know, for about 12 minutes. You could use 350, but I think that's, that's playing it fast and loose because sometimes our ovens do what they want to do. And we don't want to just, you know, do stuff. And then next thing you know, we have a burned crust. So you want to keep an eye on that. I, I remember someone once said, I think it was some somebody's mom, I can't remember who it was, but you can't cook sitting down. So don't just run around and go sit down and get on the internet and start Googling stuff like, you know, my podcast and, um, and try to find stuff to get into and then let your pie burn. Don't do that. Okay. Okay. Now, once that's all done, you've got like a little bit of color on there. Do not brown it, just a little gold. Now you're going to put the filling in. Now it's been sitting to the side, right? So it's got a time to get a little, you know, a little, little cooler. You can also check your consistency there too. So this is when you get to see if you need to add a little bit of water or not. Because it's going to affect how your pie comes out. This, this is one of those things that experience comes into play. You can follow directions to a T. It doesn't mean it will turn out the way you want it all the time. You have to get a feel for baking, and you only get this from, from baking it, from doing it. So make sure you use your experience and your judgment in this. And apparently this is a two crust pie, you know, upper and lower. So what you're gonna do, you put your filling in there, and then you're gonna cover it with a, a pie crust top. So more pie crust, but this one hasn't been, you know, cooked or you know, cooked yet. And you want to be careful because when you do this, you want to moisten the edges and press it together so that it holds together, okay? Because you want to cover it all. Now me, I was taught by my mom when we were making sweet potato pies to use our forks and flour. And you can press that pie into each other with your fork. And that also makes a design around the edge. So use the tines of the fork if you want a little bit of decoration, okay? And you know, for me, I always put a little vent in there just in case so it doesn't bubble over. And you're gonna bake this about 12 minutes in a hot oven. I'm gonna say about probably 350. They don't give you a temperature, but I'm gonna say 350 until the upper crust is done. Remember, the lower crust is already done, the filling's already done. You're just getting that upper crust done. If you want, you could add an egg wash. They're not saying that, I'm saying that. And that'll also help you just in case your, your oven might cook it a little faster than you want. Now, once it's done, if it says if there's not enough liquid in the tomatoes to cook them, add a little water when you're stewing them. Now you see how they wait till the end to say you should add water when you're cooking just in case. See there, that's why I said you wanna check your tomatoes to make sure there's enough liquid so it's not just this big glob of chunky, gooey tomato, you know? I mean, I, I'd check it first. Now, I guess the big question would be, what would I, why would I make this pie? What, what would I serve it with? What meal does this go with? Who am I making this for? Well, you could make it for vegetarians, but you can't make it for vegans because of the butter. And even if you substitute the butter with a different shortening, you still also need to substitute that sugar to make sure that it's vegan sugar. 
And I know you're looking at the phone or you're looking at whatever device you're listening on. You're saying, vegan sugar, what's the difference? We've talked about it before. Vegan sugar is processed differently because most white sugar is processed with bones. So that's why it's vegan sugar. So if you want to veganize, I guess, if that's a word, this recipe, then those are a couple of the things you need to do. What would I serve this with? Who would I serve this to? I would probably serve it for a food for a food forest or a farm-the-table kind of supper to let people see that you can use those green tomatoes because there's a glut that comes in the beginning with the first few tomatoes if you have those really prolific plants and they just they just all come at once and you may not be able to to wait until they're all red some people make salsa verde they do things with the green tomatoes but this is something different and I could see myself you know serving it with a nice meat dish if I'm not vegan Uh, definitely something that would be tasty and different because everybody doesn't like super sweet or they don't necessarily want savory and this seems like it rides the line in between. I might put it next to an apple pie and give people a, a taste choice, but I would definitely serve this at a picnic or a get-together. You know, I love sharing weird little things like this with my friends, and we're friends, right? I especially love recipes. And if you enjoy this, if you make this, please let me know, because I would love to know how yours turns out. I know for a fact that I'm making this this year. I know I am. That's actually on my list of things to do. So I will definitely let you know how it turns out. Another thing that I'd like to point out, though, is that if you like this recipe, um, or if you like recipes in general, you can buy my book. And that book is definitely available on Amazon and other shopping platforms. I hope to see you next time on my Magical Cottage Core Life.